0: Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. Grace, mercy, and peace are yours this day from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Dear brothers and sisters in Christ, it's actually really easy to create a religion. I mean, we've been doing it since the fall. The Norse gods promised to keep us safe from ice giants and, like, so far so good. Muhammad claimed once that he took the moon out of the sky and put it between his legs and put it back into the sky so quickly that nobody saw it done. I missed it. An atheist once told me this whole creation is just some cosmic accident, never mind that the odds of it happening are so slim that you actually have to imagine an infinite number of parallel universes to make the idea that this was chance seem like even a possibility. Clearly, if there was such a thing as God, he'd be at our beck and call to do parlor tricks whenever we demanded it, and that he doesn't do what we tell him is obviously proof he's not real, sort of like when I call my puppy and he doesn't come, he ceases to exist. That's how things work, right? I'm not advocating these beliefs. I'm just saying that by all accounts, the circular reasoning stands. It's really easy to make a religion that makes sense. The measurement of that faith is always something that I am in control of. It's a bonus that it's easier to trust the things you're in charge of. But the standard of my religion is what I say it is. The gods that I invent clearly want to do things my way all the time. Everyone else is wrong, and you can tell by the lack of ice giants. The problem arises when your religions all disagree with each other. Like, they don't just have different standards. They flat-out contradict. And they can't all be right if they disagree. And if you're going to go in, like, all in on religion, it's a fair question to ask. How do you know you chose the right one? It doesn't actually help our cause that when folks look around the sheepfold, it's a lot easier to find the robbers than the Lord. Jesus said, the thief comes to steal and kill and destroy. And that part I see. That part nobody can miss, the death, the destruction, the evil that doesn't just persist in a world of chance where storms and plagues come and go. There's also the evils that men do to each other, sometimes even in the name of religion. And Christianity, all the while, promises, life, peace. It's real honest with how things are supposed to be, even how we are supposed to behave. It makes it a tougher sell when everything promised so clearly does not match up with what we see, and the people who claim to represent it fail to live up to the law's demands all the time. Like, at least I don't see any ice giants. It's dark in the fold. And when all you want to look at is the thieves and the robbers, it gets darker. Which might be why God tells us to look to something else. See, our Lord never actually contends that the robbers shouldn't be present. He flat out warns us about him. Expect the thieves and the robbers. They are actually a sign that you are in the right place. If you have found a place with no thieves and robbers, whatever it is, it's not the sheepfold. Because Jesus says they're going to be here. That he won't chase them out well that's the cause of all kinds of frustration but as weird as it is that he lets them stick around he promises something even more peculiar he promises that in this sheepfold full of thieves god speaks he actually talks even to the sheep jesus said the sheep hear his voice and he calls his own sheep by name and leads them out when he has brought out all his own, he goes before them, and the sheep follow him, for they know his voice. The stranger they will not follow, but they will flee from him, for they do not know the voice of strangers. You see, you have a God who actually speaks. You don't have to wonder. You don't have to come up with anything yourself. His will for you is not hidden. It is spoken. It is something that you can actually recognize. It is the holy scriptures. They teach you the voice of the shepherd, and that leaves every other religion exposed for exactly what it is. Because at the end of the day, no matter how many claims about ice giants or parallel universes or any other thing that you want to come up with, there really are only two kinds of religions in the whole entire world. There are only two voices. One says, do these things and you will be rewarded. You can call it karma on a cosmic scale. You can call it Odin's reward. You can call it whatever you want to, but it is just the law. It paints a wonderful picture of how things ought to be. It does absolutely nothing to get us there. Because I might not see ice giants, but even Odin has to admit I still see death. And even if you want to blame it on men not appeasing the gods, it does nothing to help the dying. So our God speaks words of the other religion. The sheep hear the voice of our shepherd. We hear Jesus. He preaches the gospel. The Bible is not about us. It is about Jesus for us. This is the true religion. The whole speech that our Lord gives is about Jesus. He is the shepherd. He is the door. He is the one who cares for the sheep. He leads us through the only door to salvation. He leads us from the cross of Christ to the empty tomb. And he does so by going there first. Jesus will not stand back from what is wrong. He doesn't demand that we earn his favor to fix it. He doesn't promise a perfect world that cannot exist. Our Lord promises the cross where there he will bleed and die for the sinners. There he will bleed and die for you. He promises to come to the sheep, to join us in the sheepfold that has been plagued by thieves and robbers, by death and destruction. And he rescues us. He carries the lost. He binds up the wounded. He comes to make the dead live. He comes to bear the cross, not for the righteous, but for the sinners. He came to die for you, and for me, and for all. He came to be the lightning rod for everything that is wrong, so we can finally stop pretending things were fine, blaming each other for what's not, and then desperately trying to fix it without any kind of success whatsoever. We can cast each and every sin and evil upon the cross. where There, God bleeds it for you and for me to the very bitter end. And he did it for you. We hear the voice of the shepherd here. It is finished. Your sins are forgiven you. Your death has been destroyed. And your Jesus is risen from the grave. He is risen indeed. Alleluia. And that is the definition of Christianity. So that when you look around the sheepfold and you still see plenty of thieves, and know the shepherd isn't gone. Look to where he promised to be. There he is. See, everyone has trouble with the Christian church because it seems like it's easier to find the robbers than the Lord. But what if Jesus wanted them there, too? I mean, he flat dies between two of them. He dies to forgive them. The measurement of the church is not the presence of the robbers, but the voice of the shepherd. And there he speaks from the cross, hung between sinners. Your sins are forgiven you. Because Christianity is not about being better than the world. Christianity is not about building a perfect sheepfold. It is just the shepherd who sacrifices himself for robbers and sheep alike. It is the voice that even death cannot silence. Understand what the resurrection means. It is an apologetic of hope. Stand firm against the evils of the sheepfold. Call them exactly what they are. Sin is still sin. It still breaks stuff. But Jesus died for sin. Jesus conquered evil. Evil that raged as hard as it could, tried its very best, but still failed to keep Jesus dead. Christ is risen. The apologetic of Christianity is the resurrection. Not wealth, not success, not the sheep, but the shepherd. This is a religion carried forward on the backs of martyrs who were not afraid to die because they saw somebody else prove first that this is not so permanent. They died alone and afraid. They saw what the robbers and thieves could do. But even while the church found its birth in the midst of danger, those saints of old sang hymns about the shepherd while they died at the hands of the thieves. And even here, Jesus led them through the door to life. From the cross to the empty tomb, he rose. They live. And that is beautiful. It's something that we can still hear today. The shepherd still speaks. He sends undershepherds to you. He promises them something strange enough that we should actually be used to it by now, but it still takes us off guard. He tells his undershepherds, if you speak beautiful things, you would be as my mouth. You would speak with my voice. He tells his undershepherds, preach the gospel. Speak of Jesus, the door to the sheep. There will still be others. The robbers, the thieves, don't hear them. They speak of not Jesus. They speak of that other religion, the law. They dress it up in politics. They dress it up in power and wealth. But you will hear their voice and know it for what it is. It is not Jesus. It is not the cross. It is not the gospel. So what? We will sing hymns to them, no matter what, because the beauty of the sheepfold is the love and the life that is found within it, even for us sinners, even for you. In the name of Jesus, amen.